0: You're listening to RiverCast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. I don't know what you, if you get excited for Christmas or not. I still kind of gear up for it. And uh, one of the things that I enjoy the most is I really have come to like the lights associated with Christmas, right? December is dark, you know. Just, I mean, the days are short and it's just, it can be like even on a day like today. And... Uh, and one of the things that I enjoy is if I get up early in the morning, and I did, this, especially this morning, I never sleep in on Sunday. It's kind of the occupational hazard, you know. And uh, and so I went downstairs early and uh, went and I turned the Christmas tree lights on. Like, I fumbled in the dark. I didn't want to turn the lights on I like to see the tree light up. And we have kind of, kind of a long mantle in our house, and Susan's put some garland, and I light that up. And... We have a, a wreath that we actually put outside on our garage this year. It's a big wreath, and, and uh, I put a little timer on that, and so I have it, you know, on at night the morning. I like to look at that. I just, I like seeing the, the lights at Christmas. And the thing is, is that lights don't look like much in the daylight, right? You only see the lights well in the darkness. And so we know that Christmas is about light. We know the light, you know, the, the star on the Christmas, and we sing about that. But really, the first Christmas that really was there is when the sh- angels came to the shepherds. And the Bible says that there was the glory of God shone all around them, and there was a brilliant light, a light that just made them completely afraid. And these were men, these would have been men who were, you know, fought against animals and wild beasts. They didn't, weren't afraid of anything, but that light was so overwhelming to them. Well, this morning, we're going to see that the light of Christmas really is Jesus. And so to really understand the joy, the light, and the hope that God gives us, we have to see the backdrop of that. We have to see a little bit of the darkness of what's going on. 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God used the prophet Isaiah to describe to them the time, the promise when God would send a baby who would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And the reason this was such incredible, phenomenal news that 700 years prior to that, Israel was in tremendous darkness. And so God was giving them a promise. He was giving them a promise that he would bring light into this world, that he would bring a hope, that he would bring a a peace and a joy in the middle of it. And he would even bring them a freedom. We don't talk a lot about Christmas freedom. We think about light and joy and peace and hope. But freedom, we'll see this morning, is a part of that. And so this morning, wherever you are in your world, whatever is going on in the middle of that, I want us to recognize that all of the things that we kind of celebrate and think about Christmas generically really are found in Jesus himself. So look with me, if you would, in Isaiah chapter 8. I'm going to read the last, I'm going to start in verse 22. We have kids with us this morning, and I'm so glad that the kids on Christmas can spend it Honestly, I hope they grow up remembering from the littlest of age all the way through about being in, you know, big church with mom and dad and gathering with family. I hope that becomes your tradition for them. So read with me if you would on the screen in Isaiah 8. We're going to start in verse 22. The Bible says this, And they, talking about the people in Israel, will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. There's the nighttime. What's happened in Israel is they've been conquered. And in the process, they had turned their back on God, and they had gone after fortune tellers and and soothsayers, and today we'd say mediums or psychics. And they turned their back on God. They were looking for answers and solution and guidance and direction in life, not from the God in heaven who made the heavens, but from individuals who had kind of co-opted and changed and resented that they knew things that they really didn't know. And God said, fine, I will turn you over. And he allowed the enemy to come and conquer them. So there's a tremendous war. And there was, an, in essence, a famine that came as a result of the war. And people were struggling and they were hungry. In fact, the verses just before this that we didn't read, they were getting angry at the king because the economic conditions are so bad. You know, every election year, everybody's like, How's the economy? You know, you can read and go up and down with the president of how well he's liked or she's liked. I guess we haven't had a woman president, but we will at some point. And, you know, based on how the economy's doing. And then the Bible says, And they looked to God and they were angry at God and they were angry at the king. And the reason why was they did not like the way their life was turning out, they didn't like their economic situation, they were hungry. And as they looked about on the earth with the verse that I just read, they saw nothing but gloom. And they saw nothing but despair. And they were struggling to find answers to what was going on in their life, to the world around them. They were struggling to find hope. They were struggling to find a solution. And in the middle of that darkness, God makes a promise to them. He makes a promise to send His Son, Jesus. And in first chapter 9 is where we usually start reading some of these things. It says... But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. In the story of Matthew, the the historical story of Jesus, Matthew quotes this verse, Because this is the area where Jesus grew up in. This is Galilee. This is Capernaum. This is where Jesus walked around. This land especially was under tremendous ravage of war. There are people in other lands in the world today that are under the extreme struggle of hunger and starvation and all of those things result of war. And Israel felt that. But God was promising them that that would not be their ultimate future and that he would send the light into their land, into that world, made a promise that that's where the Messiah would come. And then in verse 2, the Bible says this, "...the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone." You see, God sent His Son Jesus to be the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world see, they were walking in darkness, not just a hunger and a physical darkness. I mean, the sun was coming up and the sun was going down, but there was a spiritual darkness that had settled into their soul. Darkness, have you ever walked out into the night when it's completely cloud covered? And I don't mean in a city, I don't mean in a town, but I mean out in the country in the wilderness. You cannot see a thing when it is really dark. It kind of gnaws at you. It kind of has a coldness and an emptiness to you gnaws into your soul if you will and Jesus is saying God was saying to them he says I'm going to send my son Jesus because the world is walking in this this darkness that it doesn't understand it can't see where it's going it can't navigate into the world and I'm going to send the light into this world I have a wood stove and I've had it for almost 20 years. And when I bought it, we bought it with a glass front because it's nice to get heated two ways when you have a fire. Like physically, but I like to see the flame, right? That was kind of the TV before TV was ever a thing. You know, everybody would sit and watch the campfires and you'd talk and you'd share stories and you'd kind of pass down truth and all of that. And and those of you that enjoy camping know what I'm talking about, right? And so I, I wanted to be able to see the fire and have it warm my heart as well as my body. In fact, the sweet spot in my house, everybody in the morning, you know, when we put the stove in, you back right up to it and you kind of get toasted. You gotta be careful, you can get a little too close. It's really addictive, it really is. But if I don't, if I close the damper too much and it's not getting enough oxygen, it doesn't burn right. And then those window, that window begins to sit over and it begins to turn black and it's a pain in the neck to get off. And so I'm always like, kids, you shut it too much. Like, you know, you got to pull it out and let it burn. See, the problem was, is that the Jews had light. They had the words of God in front of them. They had a fire burning, but they allowed some things to obscure that most of the old testament had been written by now god had already made his way to them and providing for them direction he had already spoken and given him his commands and revealed who himself was and had been with them and explained and all of these things but yet they were living in darkness because the light that god had given them had become obscured for two reasons one was their own sin their own disobedience to god allowed them and led them astray from God to where they were finding truth and answers to life questions in all the wrong places. Kind of like an old country song, you know, looking for love in all the wrong places. They were looking for light and truth in all of the wrong places. If you look for answers in the wrong place, you're going to get the wrong answer. And it is going to lead you astray. And so they had gone far from God, now, even though they had access and they had God's Word, and God revealed Himself to them, there was an obscuring of that in their heart. And the second thing that they allowed to obscure them was religion. They were very religious. You see, being religious is not enough. Today, we face those same things. In fact, the same things that Jesus, when He came to this earth, had the exact same problem. He was talk with people that knew the Bible, and they had all of the Old Testament, and they didn't get it. They were looking at the light of the world, but the glass that covered their heart was sooted over, and they didn't see it. It was obscured. And so God sent his son into a world that didn't get it to be not just the word, but to be the word of God in real life. God with us, as Isaiah wrote in chapter 7. That's why we sing, you know, about God being with us in the, in the baby is that God came and brought his son Jesus and he himself is the light in this world so this morning as you think about what the blessings that Christmas is for you the biggest blessing of all is that God made his way into this world to provide a guidance to your soul to wipe the soot away so that you might have light So many of the stories in the Bible, like Paul was blinded when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. A picture that saw Paul, even though you have lived a very religious life, you don't get it. There's darkness in your soul, and he was blinded in the middle of that. And so this morning, as you think about Christmas, where are you with that light? Have you allowed your life, and the sins, and things that you cling to? Have you allowed the Things that you're pursuing, the the answers that you're seeking to kind of darken over and hide and obscure? Have you allowed religion? Maybe you're very religious and have been that way all of your life, but maybe the religion has obscured the simplicity and the truth that the real light is Jesus. It's not a particular religion or denomination. It's simply God himself in your life. So the first thing with this morning as we think about the Christmas blessings is that Jesus is the light. He's the light of the world, and God brought him into this world to give us guidance of salvation, to give us guidance and path in our life. And that is a huge, huge blessing. The second thing I want you to recognize is Christmas joy. Look at verse 3. God made a promise to them that even though you're in tremendous darkness and this is difficult now, God says, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. You see, the Christmas joy is not about unwrapping presents under the tree. It's not, I hope that that's a blessing and enjoyable for you. I, it's not about gathering with family, though I hope that really is a joy that you enjoy more than the blessing of a presence. The real Christmas joy is that God has made his way with us. You see, the joy that he brings, God with us, is, is the joy of, of his presence in our life. It's the blessings that come through knowing Jesus Christ personally There is something that happens in the change that Dan talked about earlier that we are so excited about and that we talk about so often and that that moves our heart is the change that comes into our life when we know God himself through his son Jesus is our Lord and Savior. See, our sins, that darkness not only obscures our heart, but it separates us from a holy, perfect God in heaven. And God sent his son Jesus to break that chain of sin, to remove that out of our life and to give us a oneness with God. When you have somebody that you're close to, a good friend, or somebody that maybe you've been friends with all your life, or maybe your spouse, or just someone that's you know important in your life, when you have an argument or a fight or something comes between you, you just don't feel right, do you? I mean, it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. Usually there's wrongs on both sides in any of those things. There's usually enough blame to go around across the board, but... It messes with you, right? You see, God made us for a relationship with him. And because of our sin, separated from him, it's, it messes with our heart. And we walk around in life, you know, damaged and confused and um, you know bewildered and not sure where we should go. And the problem is, is that there's a, been a break in our relationship with God. We're born into this world that way because we all know that we're sinners. We've all told a lie, right? We've all done things we shouldn't do. But God sent his son Jesus to remove that sin and to be a, bring a blessing and a joy that comes through that relationship that we have with him. That's what Christmas really is ultimately about. And that change and that joy is so unreal. It's just so amazing. And it's so lasting. Most of the things in this life that we get excited about, they're kind of fleeting, right? I, as much as I like Christmas... I'll be honest with you, toward the end of tomorrow, somewhere alive, I'm like, okay. It's over. You know, work. You know, back to cleaning up and fixing up and doing whatever we gotta do. I kind of like the build up more than the reality, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, can't we just kind of delay it, kick the can down the road a little bit more, you know? Some of you are like, no! <laughs> but that's different than the joy that God gives us. God gives us a joy that is lasting through thick and thin, through no matter the difficulties and the sorrows and the struggles in life, there is a joy that's beyond in the harvest season, as as Isaiah talked about, when you make your living off the land and you can't buy it from Amazon and you can't get Grubhub doesn't exist and you can't... You know, go on and do Instacart deliveries and the grocery stores providing. Like, you either get your harvest in or you don't. And if you don't get the harvest in, you're in big trouble for the rest of that year. So it was always a joyous time to plant and to see the fruit of your labor come all in at once. And the joy that God gives us through us sin Jesus is far beyond all of that. And so maybe this morning... You need to focus on the joy that God provides through Jesus. Maybe that's what you need to hear. The third blessing of Christmas that God gives us is freedom. We don't, I don't know why we don't talk about Christmas freedom, because it's right here. Look what God says. He says, here's why there's such joy. In verse 4, for the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken is on the day of Midian. I'll explain that in a minute. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Here's what that's saying. It's saying that God is making a promise that the oppressors that came in and fought the war that God will come in and bring the victory. The victory that was in Midian was the day, it's the story of Gideon. If you know the Old Testament or the Bible, that God used Gideon and 300 men and against an army that probably measured in the millions. The Bible says it was, you, you couldn't measure them. There were so many people. And God's really good at numbers. He's got a whole book written with that title, the book of Numbers. And these were beyond numbering. It, was just, it would be like camp, counting the sand on the sea, and God used those 300 men and vanquished the enemy. What he's saying is, is that the sending of Jesus, that God was going to deliver us all, all who turned to him from oppression, complete victory, to the degree where the soldier's uniform and the boots that the soldier wore no longer is needed, no longer to fight the battles. It's going to be just fuel for the fire, just removed and gotten rid of. You might say, well, Sean, I don't feel terribly oppressed. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You know, it's to, we live in a world today where oppression has become a very political hot button. I want us to recognize that the Bible tells us that we are all oppressed. And it's not a particular group of people. It's not a particular group race, I'm not delving into the complicated politics and policies of all of that. It's not any of the things that, that seem, everybody seems to be hot and bothered with today. The oppression that God comes to deliver us from is the oppression that's in our own soul due to our own sin. You see, we, no matter how hard we try, no matter how many New Year's resolutions we make, We might be able to do better in a little area of our life for a time, but we can't break the chain of sin in every area of our life. It's an impossibility. And neither can we overcome the consequences of the things that we've done wrong. And consequently, we are all born into this this slavery. And the enemy is not somebody else. It's not outside of ourselves. It's not a particular nation or group of people. Actually, the enemy is ourselves. You see, God comes, he sent his son Jesus to deliver us from that, to remove that. Christmas is not just about the, the joy and the gift of his son Jesus, and we turn around and give gifts to each other. It's not just about the light, but it's about the freedom that he gives us, that our bondage to sin is broken, that the penalties that we earn to that sin is gone, it's removed. It would be like you and I owing a million dollars to someone And the judge saying, you no longer owe me a penny. The elation and the freedom that would come as a result of that is incredible. So Christmas freedom that comes with Jesus is so significant. That's why the Bible goes on to explain to us, this is how this is all going to happen. This is a verse that we usually focus on at Christmas. And I was kind of convicted that I usually kind of just focus on this verse. But we really kind of miss all the others before. But he says, this is how this is all going to go down. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You see, God sent his son Jesus to establish his kingdom first and foremost in our heart. Not on the outside of us, but on the inside of us. Have you ever done something that said something, did something that later on you're like, why did I do that? I wish I wouldn't have done that. What was I thinking? People around you are like, yeah, what were you thinking? You know. But I mean, it's being really honest with yourself, just alone, like I was just such a stupid bonehead. Why, why did I say something like that? You see, the reason is, is that deep inside of our heart, there's a traitor in us. You're not schizophrenic. You don't have you know, crazy things going on in your head in these areas. It's just reality that we all know that deep down or that, that we sometimes do stuff that we regret and we think, "I should, that's not me. I don't want to do that. And reality is it is you because inside your soul we're enslaved to those things and those thoughts and the pride and the jealousy and the greed and the, the anger and all the things inside of us. And Jesus came to break that Oppression to all of those things, and to establish his kingdom inside of us and then one day, and this is of the the promise that comes in the future, one day he's coming to establish his community kingdom, if you will, that's socially that is beyond just ourselves but literally in in his heaven that's what heaven is it's where Jesus is king, and it's where his rules are completely followed, and it's where all of his citizens have been changed and know him as, as Lord and Savior of their souls and of their life. And so there's a tremendous Christmas freedom this morning. So this morning, if you know the Lord Jesus, and you have surrendered your life to him, the thing to celebrate for some of you is, is that I'm forgiven. That God has forgiven me of all of that junk. And I've been freed from every bit of that. That, for many of you, that's not new news, but it's news you might need to hear today. And for some of you who have not received Jesus, that's the news that you need to hear. Your resolution isn't going to solve it. You trying to do better isn't going to solve it. The next promise, I'm going to do better, I'm going to do better. You can try, but the ultimate problem is, is inside of you, you're you're in shackles, you're in handcuffs, you're in custody to the sinfulness of your heart, and only the Lord Jesus can break that when you surrender your life to Him in faith, where He becomes Lord of your life. And He breaks that and gives you a freedom in the middle of it. And so the joy that we should have is that that He is light into our life to break through the darkness, and to shine His purity and direction through Him in us, it brings us a tremendous joy, and that joy is because of the freedom that He gives us, and because of that, there's a tremendous hope that He grants us. You know, if if you're looking at this, if you read it, that most of these promises don't happen for 700 years, but God writes them as if they've already happened. He writes it in the past, even though it's still 700 years, it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Now, if you were living in that world and listening to that word of God, you'd be like, what are you talking about? You've seen the economic conditions, we're still walking in darkness. See, God was making a promise to them of something that was going to come to the future. He was giving them a hope to live by in the middle of the darkness. He was giving them a promise. He was telling them what He was going to do. Now, i got to admit, if I was living in that time period, and if I knew that it was going to be 700 years for the fulfillment of this, you could be born and died and born and died. I mean, there's multiple generations, right? Great-great-great-grandparents were living in that world in the darkness. But God made a promise because he wanted the individuals who were living through a difficult season and difficult time in their life to make sure they kept their eye on the hope of the promise that he was providing. You see, that's, that's why it's so difficult sometimes to have joy in Christmas, because we want to get geared up, we want to not have any responsibility, or have any burden, to have any problems. You know, I remember a number of Christmases ago, I think it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, my septic tank went out and the toilets no longer flush. That's a bad day. You know what I mean? I'm kinda like, like, seriously, I gotta go dig that up? <laughs> like, Santa, where are you? You know, like all I want for Christmas is two flushing toilets, you know. In the middle of the difficulty of the things of life. The hope is what this is telling us, is to always keep our eye that God has guaranteed it. And the the last verse that I just read said, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. See, God's passionate commitment to make this happen is what guarantees all of that. 700 years, God said, it's a done deal. I can write this as, as if it has already happened because I am God and everything I say will happen. And we live in the middle of that world where we're living with some of the darkness still, right? We crave heaven. That's really what the whole world craves. We crave for everything to be right, to never be wronged by anybody, for there not to be any hate. I saw a billboard down the way here. What is it? Something about remove hate in the 518 or something. I'm like, well, that's clever. Like, we We crave heaven. We want everybody to get along. We want wars to stop. We don't want... Poverty to be a thing. We don't want all of these things to be to be an issue We want to have right relationships with everybody we everybody stop stealing stop killing stop hating stop Greed and jealousy and pride. What we're craving is heaven. We're craving God's kingdom in our heart and We know that we don't see it so the blessing of Christmas is God saying I know that's what you want I'm sending my son Jesus to make it possible for you to experience these things in your own heart, to experience righteousness, my righteousness and my justice, not social justice. That's a completely different change of what God wants to do. But I'm bringing truth and justice into your soul. I'm giving you a promise that my son's kingdom will never end. It will only ever increase more and more and more. So much of the sadness and grief that we shoulder in this life as followers of Jesus, that we somehow think God loses. And God doesn't lose along the way. Maybe a church closes or some person we love passes away, and we know in our head that, you know, that God doesn't go backwards. But the promise that God's giving us is that in throughout history is that God's kingdom only ever expands more and more and more. And so for many Christians today, it's easy to get discouraged and look at the world around us and, all the world's falling apart and what this world's going to look like. Yeah, it's a mess. We're living in darkness. But keep in mind, God's kingdom never recedes. It never goes backwards. It only ever gets bigger and goes forward. And it's His kingdom that He's working. So this Christmas, we should have a deep-seated hope in Him This Christmas, we should have a deep-seated freedom from the sin that He's broken in our lives. This Christmas, we should have an incredible joy that goes far beyond any of the things in this life because it's centered in Him. And we should recognize that God has given us light in the middle of the darkness. That's what it's all about. That's what we need. So this morning, I don't know what you personally need or your family in each of those things, I'm probably focused more on that Christmas joy this year than the, than the days gone by. And maybe that's where you are, needing to focus on that. Maybe it's the light. Maybe you've ignored and neglected what God said to you. Maybe you've allowed things to be obscured and you've kind of gotten your heart hardened in things. I challenge you to say, God, I, I want to know you. If you're real, would you help me to know Would you remove the soot out of my life? Test God and see. Whether you're an agnostic or an atheist or just not so sure, test God and see if He will meet you in that. And maybe it's recognizing that God came to break you. You've been trying to get yourself all squared away, and you realize you can't. Trust Jesus for that. And maybe it's hope. It's easy to get jaded. It's easy to get cynical. One of the things as I get older, I'm trying to be careful not to do, and I can find myself there. It's easy to get negative, right? You just, you know so much in life, and you know, I watch, I pay attention to my kids, I love hanging out with others, and like, you know, you you just, you've seen different things in the world, you know, when things were better, and they're different, and you just can get that way, and Folks, all of us need to realize there's tremendous hope in our life that we have through Jesus. Maybe that's what you need today. I don't know. But whichever of these blessings, let us recognize that God has sent His Son, Wonderful Counselor, literally Miraculous Counselor. That's what wonderful means. Not good, not amazing, like, oh, that was awesome. And not miracle today, like, oh, that's a miracle. No, legitimately, for God to bring supernatural, transforming, miraculous guidance into our soul. The world craves that today. And God's given that to us in Jesus, that He's the mighty God, the powerful God in our life, God with us in relationship with Him, the everlasting Father, the one who will take care of us, and provide and protect And the prince of peace, the ruler of peace, to bring that peace into our soul. And one day to establish his kingdom, to put down all evil and all inappropriate injustice and all of those things to bring true peace. So remember that all of those things are found in Jesus. So whatever God has spoken, whichever one of those, I would challenge you to think, which one of those, God, do I need to hear today? That's the first question. And the second question is, is what do you need to do? What do you need to think? What do you need to feel? How do you need to respond to that? Maybe it's simply a prayer to saying, God, I'm not feeling much joy. God, forgive me. I've been trying to find joy in events and activities and all these other things. Forgive me. Help me to find my joy in you. Maybe it's, yeah, God, I've not been paying attention and finding hope, and I have become that cynical, hardened person. Help me to remember that your kingdom is never at risk, and your mighty power and your committed passion will make this happen in my life and the world around me. Maybe that's where you need to focus, but respond to God as we're going to sing in a moment. We're going to light the candles. Our ushers are going to come and, and light each of those. And it's a picture of the light that God brought into this world through Jesus. So we're going to turn the lights out. It's not going to be pitch black, all right? So hopefully there's, I don't know what you call the phobia of the dark. There's, you know, all those fancy terms. Hopefully everybody's nobody's too afraid of the dark. It's not going to be too dark in here. But as those lights go down the rows, remember that Jesus is the light of the world. And that's light that we need in our soul, not out there. We need it in here. That's the darkness that God is trying to dispel. So let me pray for you and we'll light our, our candles and sing our final song. Father, thank you that the Lord Jesus is the light of the world. Thank you for his, that joy, that freedom that he gives us, and that hope no matter what is in our life, that we have all of those things. Lord, we don't need to be desperate or despair when we have a relationship with you through your sin, Jesus. So, Lord, I pray for those this morning that still are in bondage to their sins that have never surrendered their life to Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would find their security, their forgiveness, and their hope in Jesus Christ, in Him alone. Lord, help them to know that truth. To re- I pray you'd remove the soot and the darkness from the glass of their heart and help them to see Jesus for who he really is, to really see him. Lord, we sing about you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand as we let our Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.